As uh, mentioned, the text for this morning's sermon is Numbers 11. We have already uh, read that together. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have just sung from Psalm 77. In that psalm, we sang about Israel's escape from uh, slavery to Pharaoh through the Red Sea. God went first before and then behind his people to keep them safe as they journeyed through the midst of those waters. Yet despite the Lord's presence, Psalm 77 says God's footsteps were not seen. Yes, there were visible representations of the Lord there for the people. Think of the pillar of fire at night, pillar of cloud by day. But Israel did not see God walking with them as they entered into the wilderness. Instead, Psalm 77 says, God gave Moses and Aaron to shepherd God's people to lead them. As shepherds given by God, Moses and Aaron were visible proof of God's care and concern for his wilderness people as they were journeying, journeying to the promised land. We see more of the same in our text from Numbers 11. The Lord here provides more shepherds for Israel in the 70 elders. This shows his care and concern for Israel and also Moses and Aaron those who were shepherding God's people. The Lord wanted to lead his people to bring them to their promised uh, inheritance. Now, the same is true today for God's church. We don't see God visibly among us this morning. Yes, we have sure signs that he is with us and cares for us, And one of those signs is that Jesus Christ provides elders and deacons for his church. Ephesians 4 tells us as much. Says that our ascended Lord cares for his church by also providing leaders for his church. Pastors, shepherds, teachers. Today we are blessed to witness the ordination of three elders and one deacon. We can give thanks to God for this. This shows something of God's care for us as his congregation. And as we hope to see from God's word this morning, the Lord provides spirit-equipped elders and also deacons to co-shepherd God's people. And that's the theme for this morning's sermon. And along with that theme, we have Uh, Three points we're going to focus on. First of all, we're going to look at the burden of leading. Second of all, the spirits equipping. And finally, the work of shepherding. Now, the people of Israel had spent about one year at Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, the Lord made his covenant with Israel. He gave them his law, and uh, the tabernacle was built. With all that now finished, It was time to go to the promised land. And so Israel and the Lord, in Numbers 10, they set out a three days journey into the wilderness. Well, sadly, as we see from our text, it did not take long for the troubles to begin. The the people complained in the hearing of the Lord 
about their misfortunes. And as we can see here, the Lord did not take this lightly either. It says his anger was kindled against their grumbling, and the fire of the Lord burned among them. So in response, the people cried out, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. But as we see, very soon afterwards, the people grumbled again. The rabble among them who had come with them out of Egypt had a strong craving for meat to eat. And this dissatisfied spirit soon spread throughout the whole camp. Everyone wailed at the door to their tents, we want meat back on the menu. Not only was it a complaint against the food God gave them, they also expressed a longing to go back to Egypt. And so in response, verse 10 says, the Lord's anger blazed hotly. Moses, too, was greatly displeased as he saw all Israel in this state. And he also grew tired of interceding for these people. He had already had to do it at Mount Sinai with the golden calf. He had, he had done it at the beginning of Numbers 11. Now Israel was at it again, and Moses had already seen enough. And that it's really quite shocking what he prays to God here. He says, Why have you laid this burden on me? Did I conceive all these people and give them birth? I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. Now Moses felt like it was just too much. And the startling part was this was really only the beginning. So he says to the Lord, if you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I might, I might not see my wretchedness. Now, this was the burden Moses felt in leading God's people. Here we can see it. In this instance, it simply overwhelmed him. It was just too much for him to handle. And you know what? Those types of feelings can plague leaders in the church today too. The burden of leading God's people can continue now today as well. Now, as I say those words, some of you might be wondering to yourself, well, what is my pastor implying here? Is he saying grace congregation is just the same as these uh, grumbling Israelites here uh, in this wilderness? Well, rest assured, I'm not saying that this morning. But let me use myself as an example for a moment. You know, if I just look back at myself over the past few months, I can see the tendency from time to time in my own heart and with my own mouth, to grumble. I'm certainly not immune to this as I analyze my own life, my own heart, my own words. And since you and I share the same fallen nature together with these Israelites of old, I think I can safely assume that this temptation is there for you too at times. But you know what? Even if no one in the church ever grumbled or complained, leading God's people can still be difficult. 
This has been the case throughout church history. Certainly was the case in the early church. For consider only the Apostle Paul's words to Timothy uh, throughout uh, his second letter to Timothy. Consider all these things he says, and I could mention more. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, and he encourages Timothy, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He says it again in, in chapter 2, verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In chapter 2, verse 14, he tells Timothy, charge God's people not to quarrel about words. Why did he charge Timothy that? Because God's people could quarrel about words. In 2, verse 23, he tells Timothy, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. That's because the leaders of the church will have to patiently endure things like this. So Paul makes it clear to Timothy that Timothy will face difficulties like this as he leads God's people. It'll be the same for you as you take up office today. That's not to scare you, but just to prepare you for that reality. This truth, together with the burden displayed by Moses in our text, highlights two further things for us this morning. First, it emphasizes the need to follow the words of Hebrews 13, verse 17. There we read, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And you can see that here in this text in Numbers 11. Moses had to do his work with great groaning, and it was of no advantage to the people of Israel. That's the first thing. The second thing, the weakness of Moses displayed in our text calls out for someone greater to come, a greater mediator, Jesus Christ. Let me quote from the book of Hebrews again about our Lord and his superiority to Moses and, and all the former priests. There it says, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But Christ holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. See, Jesus Christ is not like Moses. Our Lord Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. That means he has never-ending life now through his resurrection and his glorification. And so, unlike Moses, he never grows tired and weary. He will never leave off his job of interceding for God's people. No, he always lives to intercede for us before the Father, as it says in the book of Hebrews. You know, Moses had the thought of 
continually interceding for the Israelites, having to carry this burden, he prayed to the Lord, this burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. But contrast that with our Lord Jesus Christ. What did he pray to the Father? He said, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And if it is your will, then you may put me to death. Not that I can avoid the job of interceding for God's people, but so that I can intercede for God's people and do it forever. That's what the Father did. Put his son to death so that his son could always make intercession for us. And he always will. So we come to God through him. That brings us to our second point. Now, as we see here, Moses gave quite the complaint to the Lord. You might think that God would tell him just to, you know, to silence himself. However, in his mercy, the Lord remembered that Moses was only dust. So the Lord instructed Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, bring them to the tent of meeting, I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. Notice the number of the elders, there were 70 of them, a a fullness of leaders to, to share the burden of leading God's people. So Moses will not have to bear the burden of the people all on his own. And God still uses the same pattern in his church today. The church is not a one-man show. The leadership of the church consists of a group of elders, each with the same authority. And for you, brothers, you need to work together for the building up of God's church. It's a team effort. It was the same task given to these elders in our text. Moses gathered 70 men of the elders. He placed them around the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting here refers to the tabernacle. The tabernacle was placed at the center of the camp with the Israelites camped all around it. So notice in this the orientation of Moses and, and the elders. The tent of meeting stood at the center of the camp. These elders surrounded the tent of meeting facing where the Lord was to come down uh, to to Moses. And around them are all the Israelites grumbling and wailing at their tents. And soon those elders will need to go out into those, those people and get to work. And the temptation might be to fixate solely on, on that work that lay ahead of them among the people. But what would happen if they do that? Well, if they do that, maybe their fear response kicks in and they want out even before they start. You know what? I, I can't do this. Pick someone else. Or perhaps their anger response kicks in and they want to do something, nothing but lay down the law. Let's get in there and bust up these complainers. What do they need to do before they get to work? They need to come before God and fix, fixate on Him. 
find their strength from the Lord. They need to be equipped by Yahweh before working among the people. So here they are facing the Lord, the people all around them. The Lord alone can equip them to get to work among the Israelites. It's the same for you as well. You'll need to come before the Lord, not only today, but every day. He is our strength. He equips us to carry out this work. It doesn't come from ourselves. And notice how the Lord equips the elders in this text. He equips them with divine power, with the Holy Spirit himself. The Lord told Moses, I'll come down, take with, or talk with you at the tent of meeting. I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. That's what happened with the elders gathered there. God gave them the spirit that was also upon Moses. This is how God equipped them for their work. The spirit enabled them to work together to bear the burden of the people and to lead them. It says here, as soon as the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. Notice that it says they prophesied only this once. Although the Spirit remained with them, the gift of prophecy did not. And we might wonder, well, why is that the case? Why is that mentioned here? There are several reasons for this. First, by giving them this gift of prophecy, the Lord displayed His choice and empowerment of these men for their task. The prophecy, the gift of prophecy by the Spirit, showed that God had chosen them and empowered them. They didn't choose this office or push their way into this office. God set them apart. He equipped them. So the Israelites needed to recognize that and also submit to their leading. Again, it's the same today. These men haven't chosen this office for themselves. God has chosen them through his church. So we, as God's people, need to recognize that as well and follow their leading. Second, this temporary gift of prophecy prophecy displayed both their equality and at the same time their inferiority to Moses. Let me explain. They were equal with Moses in terms of their authority. They each had this gift of prophecy by the Spirit. At the same time, Moses still carried a unique office in the Old Covenant. As a mediator, he alone had the ongoing prophetic gift. And this also showed the weakness of the Old Covenant, the covenant God made with Israel at Sinai just a year ago. Moses' ministry could not bring about lasting prophetic powers for God's people. For this, we need to turn to the work of Jesus Christ in the new covenant. And this is something that Moses himself longed for, longed to come. For, uh, to come. When Eldad and Medad prophesied in the camp, Moses' assistant Joshua said, My Lord Moses, stop them. And, and these words were just mind-boggling for Moses to hear. Stop them. I wish that all of God's people were prophesying and were prophets. After all, think about how valuable that would be for God's people and for this world. 
in order to see that value, look at the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, too, was set apart by God to be the Messiah, the Anointed One. As the Messiah, He was anointed by the Holy Spirit at His baptism to equip Him for His task as prophet, priest, and king. Right after His anointing, Jesus went into the wilderness, much like Israel here in our text. In the wilderness, Christ fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted by the devil. Again, drawing similarities to the time of Israel's wilderness uh, wanderings, where they were 40 years. One of the temptations the devil threw at Jesus was this. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. That is, use your prophetic powers to serve yourself and bypass this suffering. What did Christ or how did he reply? It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And can you see the, the great contrast between our wonderful prophet Jesus Christ and these grumbling Israelites? The Lord Jesus would have loved to have some manna to eat. He'd been fasting all this time. If only he had some manna. All he could see around him were rocks. And he did have the power to turn these rocks into bread. But it was God's will that he should suffer for righteousness' sake. And so he made no complaint to God, even though he suffered. He patiently endured the trial God set for him. Israel, on the other hand, had manna given every day, but angrily complained to the Lord, we want meat to eat. Oh, that Israel would act as true prophets and live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That's what God's people really need and need to do. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ did. And thankfully, there is more to the saving work of Christ. The Lord Jesus withstood those temptations in the wilderness, unlike Israel, in order to fulfill all righteousness for us. He endured that temptation so that sinful people like us could graciously be declared righteous before a righteous God. And that's God's gift of grace in Jesus Christ. But the good news is the exalted Christ Jesus now pours out the Holy Spirit on the church so that all of God's people would be prophets. And as prophets, we learn to live every, every day. We learn to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You as elders and as deacon need to take the lead on this. To live every day by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And you need the equipping of the Holy Spirit to complete this task. The word of the Lord will guide you as you make decisions. The word of the Lord will allow you to guide God's people. Also so that they might fulfill their calling as God's prophets. 
See, all New Covenant Christians are prophets of God. Moses' longing has been fulfilled in us. So we too must learn to live every day, not by bread alone, but by the Word of God. This will allow you to fulfill your office and calling as well. That brings us to our last point. Now, once these elders were equipped with the Spirit, they returned to the camp. It was now time for them to get to work among God's people. Now came the hardest part, co-shepherding the Lord's people. But remember, they didn't do this all on their own. They had each other. And uh, most importantly, they had the Lord. You brothers have a similar task as these men in our text. You were called to guide God's people on the way to the promised land, for that is where we are going. This involves many practical things to do. It means reminding and assuring God's people of God's promises. See, God's people, all of us, we need to live every day with with God's promises at the forefront of our minds and and upon our hearts. That's the perspective we need as we we go through this life. So we, we always need to be reminded and assured of the promise of the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus' blood. The promise of righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ. The promise of eternal life and the glory which is coming, which far surpasses our, our present sufferings. We need to remember the promise that God is working all things for our good, no matter what we might go through in this life. We need to remember and believe the promise that God is taking us to the new heavens and the new earth, our eternal home. This is what Israel so often forgot, what Israel needed to remember. They failed to see the riches God had given them, was going to give them. And truly seeing this would have changed their attitude and behavior in the wilderness. Instead, they got tunnel vision and only focused on their immediate problems. Focusing on God's promises makes our perspective so much greater. It changes our words, our attitudes, and our actions. That's the first thing. Shepherding God's people also means patiently enduring the weaknesses and shortcomings of God's people. For we all have them. You know, one of those things includes, uh, you know, there, there are certain things that you might take for granted that all Christians should know. That is, you might think to yourself, well, all God's people should know that Christians don't act like such and such, and that all Christians should do such and such. That should be obvious. But you know what? That's actually the wrong mindset. What might readily be apparent to you might not be in the minds of all of God's people. And God has given men like you to God's people to teach them and to guide them. In the prophet Hosea, the Lord declared, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But understand in that passage, this is first of all a judgment against Israel's leaders who are not bothering to teach the people. That's the second thing. Third, shepherding God's people also means clearly warning them at times. 
And some of those warnings pertain to the sins of Israel in the wilderness. For example, Hebrews 3 warns God's people against an evil heart of unbelief like many of this generation of Israelites. So God's people, all of us, need to be warned against unbelief lest we fail to reach God's eternal rest. Another warning is found in Hebrews 12, which says this, See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by many become defiled. That's exactly what we have in Numbers 11 with this rabble infecting God's people with the spirit of discontent. 1 Corinthians 10 likewise warns us about grumbling like some in Israel did and were destroyed by the destroyer. 1 Corinthians 10 says these things happened as examples for us to learn uh, from their sin and their error. And you too need to warn God's people in this way. So as Christians, as God's church, let's also humbly receive the warning God gives through His Word. Finally, shepherding God's people means also giving them lots of encouragement. It means giving them encouragement so that they might endure their trials. While we must not grumble against the Lord, it doesn't mean we aren't grieved by suffering. Indeed, God's people have many pains and sorrows and burdens that pain and, and grieve them. Let's face it, for these Israelites, living in the wilderness was not a picnic. Israel didn't need to pretend it was a cakewalk. Yes, God warns us against grumbling. But he's not cold-hearted towards our hardships. God remembers we are dust. You must remember God's people are dust as well. Encourage them. Encourage God's people to fulfill their calling in this world. Encourage them to fulfill their calling by the power of God. And we all desire to see God's people grow as Christians in their service to the Lord. As we encourage each other towards this task, we will increase thanksgiving and faithfulness to the glory of God. Amen.